Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Friday, June 10th, 2022, and welcome back in to the Locked on Orioles podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and coming up on today's episode, we start by recapping a tough Orioles loss as they fall 7-5 on the road on Thursday night in the first of a four-game series against the Kansas City Royals. I'll get to the five things you need to know from that one as Jordan Lyles really, really struggled again on the bump for the O's. Then we'll get to what was, of course, the big news of the day in Birdland on Thursday. A report from the Baltimore Banner about some infighting in the Angelos family, the Orioles' ownership group, and what that could mean for the future of the O's ownership and the future of the Orioles in general as we move forward. Then at the end of the pod, get you set for the final three games of this weekend series between the O's and the Royals. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So we start today with an Orioles loss to the Kansas City Royals. As the O's fall 7-5 in Kansas City on Thursday night. And with what was really a tough loss against a team that's played much worse baseball than the O's this year. And a team that the O's took two of three from at Camden Yards earlier this year. But the Orioles dropped to 24-34 and with the loss. Royals now just 19-37 and on the season. And... I'll get you the five things that you need to know from this Orioles loss to the Royals, starting with the first thing, and that's Jordan Lyles continues this rough stretch on the hill for the Orioles. Lyles gets the start in this one. His final line was pretty ugly. Five innings, six runs on eight hits, had just one strikeout to three walks, allowed two home runs, throwing 96 pitches in five innings, ERA up to 4.97 on the season. Now, He only had seven hard-hit balls in the five innings, which is not terrible compared to some other Jordan Lyle starts this year, but he just was not effective whatsoever. And again, you can argue that he had three scoreless innings, the first, the second, and the fourth, but he gave up four in the third, and he gave up two in the fifth. This stuff was just not good from Lyle's in this one. I mean, you look at how he mixed the pitches, the 96 pitches, 31 four-seamers, 21 sliders, 17 sinkers, 16 change-ups, and 11 curveballs from Lyles, which is his usual breakdown of his pitches. He likes to use all five pitches, at least double digits in, in every game. But, you know, 10 whiffs, not a horrible number, but 10 whiffs on 44 swings. You'd like a little more than that. He did get five on the slider, which was really his go-to pitch on the night. I felt like the only pitch in the repertoire that had a good day, three whiffs on the four-seamer and two on the changeup. But at the end of the day, he was in the middle of the zone a lot, was getting hit around hard, and was walking, guys, you know, three walks in five innings is not egregious. You'd like to keep it lower than that. But to have only one strikeout, you know, that's one thing Lyles has done a little better this year, strike out some more hitters using that new slider. He still used the new slider to get swings and misses, but couldn't really turn it into strikeouts. And I think everything that that encapsulated his day, you know, he has the bad third inning, and the O's go down 4-1. to And then the Orioles' offense sparks itself. They get three runs in the fifth, the Austin Hayes RBI single, the Ryan Mountcastle two-run double. They tie the game at four in the top of the fifth inning. They get the Royals' starter out of there. 
And then immediately they go to the bottom of the fifth, tied four to four. Jordan Lyles, who had just put up a zero in the fourth, comes back out for the fifth inning, goes leadoff walk, and then to MJ Melendez, who he walked twice on the night, and then allows a two-run homer to Carlos Santana on a ball that is just a changeup right down the middle, and Santana slammed it in a right field for a two-run homer that gave the Royals a 6-4 lead in the fifth that they would not relinquish for the rest of this one. He was just in the middle of the plate too much. It was just not a good night for Jordan Lyles, who now is an 8.16 ERA over his last three starts. Orioles need him to figure it out because not only is he getting hit around, but he's not eating innings. He's gone five innings or less in each of those last three starts as well. And at the very least, if Lyles is going to get hit, the O's need him to go six or seven innings every start because that's kind of what they signed him to do. Second thing you need to know, we'll stick with the pitching where the Oriole bullpen, Gillespie, Vespi, and Baker, they did not give up an earned run. They gave up one unearned run over three innings of work tonight. But I wanted to focus on Nick Vespi, who looked human, I felt like, for the first time this season, whether it be in AAA or the majors. But he still put up an inning and a third of scoreless baseball. And that's kind of what can make Nick Vespi special at times. Now, he got a little bit lucky. And listen, he allowed four hard-hit balls in this one. Now, it was only one hit, one Walk, no strikeouts, an inning and a third scoreless. Four hard-hit balls is not where you want to be. He allowed a triple as well that was basically six inches away from being a home run. But at the end of the day, he got out of the couple jams he was in, got a big double play, got a big ground ball, and got out of it. And this is by far the worst that Vespi has looked in the big leagues. And frankly, that was his worst appearance of the year because remember, he hasn't given up an earned run, whether it be AAA or the majors so far this season. But I just wanted to point out, it was nice to see that he clearly didn't have his best stuff and he was getting hit very, very hard in this game and he only got two whiffs on 10 swings and 23 pitches, but he still got the job done. And that's a lot of why I really like Nick Vespi. Third thing you need to know switches it over to the offense. Maybe another sign of Cedric Mullins starting to heat back up for the Orioles. Now he did strike out twice in this game, but had a two for five with two doubles and an RBI in this one, including an RBI double in the eighth that got the Orioles within two. Two very hard hit balls. The first double, 103.5 miles per hour off the bat. The second one in the eighth inning off the Royals closer, Barlow, who came in for a four-out save, 106.5 miles per hour off the bat. He's starting to see the ball a little bit better. Yeah, he still did strike out twice, but that's okay if he's doubling twice. The stats are starting to get a little bit better for Cedric Mullins here, and that is a very, very good sign. But Mullins was not the leader in hard-hit balls on the night, as I wanted to shout out Anthony Santander is the fourth thing you need to know. Santander only had a one-for-five with a single, but he had three hard-hit balls on the day, got robbed a couple of times. You know, his single was 104 off the bat, but had a couple of balls at 198 off the bat that just didn't turn into hits, and... You know, he was just part of a good offensive day for the Orioles. Yeah, he only had one hit, but he had three hard-hit balls. You had Mullins with a two-hit game. You had Mancini get on base three times, a hit and two walks. You had Austin Hayes with a two-hit game. You had Tyler Nevin on base three times, two singles and a walk as well. You know, you even had Robinson Torino strong a key walk and Jorge Mateo getting a hit. Ryan Mountcastle had the big two-RBI double. You know, the O's only had five runs. They did have 10 hits in this game against Royals pitching, just couldn't convert late. And obviously the big key moment in the game 
was leaving the bases loaded in the top of the eighth. They got one run, got Austin Hayes to the plate with the bases loaded down 7-5. He got ahead 2-0 in the count and then swung at a slider that caught a lot of the plate, hit it hard, but grounded it right to the third baseman to end the inning. Just kind of unfortunate there for the Orioles. And the fifth and final thing you need to know, it sticks with the O's offense. They were patient tonight, which was pretty exciting to see. Six walks for the Orioles in this game, just barely below their number of strikeouts. Oriole bats struck out seven times in the game, but it's a pretty good ratio. Six walks to seven strikeouts in a game. Those six walks tied for their third highest mark of the season. The only other times that they've done better than six walks, they walked 10 times in that wild walk-off walk game in the 10th inning against the Yankees back on April 15th. And they walked seven times in a loss in Detroit back on May 13th. And now on June 9th, six walks on the day, two from Mancini, two from Odor, which was impressive, and one from Nevin and one from Chirinos in the game. Just nice to see the O's offense get back to what they really did well really early in the season, which was draw all of those walks. But it wasn't enough for the O's. They dropped the first game of the series 7-5 to in Kansas City. But, you know, the loss was rough, and we probably felt like a game the Orioles definitely could have won. But all eyes in Birdland were on something very different, a story that dropped on the Baltimore banner, well, a couple hours before the Oriole game started. And that was... We've got some infighting going on with the Orioles ownership group and the Angelos family and a lawsuit filed by Lou Angelos against his brother, John, and his mom, Georgia, opening up a lot of things about what's going on with the Orioles owners. We'll talk about the key points and what you need to know from that lawsuit coming up right after this. But first, got to tell you about LinkedIn and specifically LinkedIn Talent Solutions. Because as the sun comes out and small businesses are back in business, LinkedIn Jobs make it easier to grow your team. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the people you want to interview faster and for free. You can create a job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. They've got simple tools like screening questions to make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and who you'd like to hire. And LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? That includes myself. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MLB. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So the Orioles fall to the Royals 7-5 on Thursday night. Kind of a tough loss for the O's, first of four. But that wasn't really what, uh, what everyone in Birdland was really focused on uh, on Thursday night. Because... A story dropped in the brand new Baltimore Banner, one of the newer sites covering all things Baltimore that uh, has cropped up in the last couple of months, has really taken a lot of writers from the Baltimore Sun, including Justin Fenton, who contributed to this report. And basically, it was just a look at a big, what the Baltimore Banner called explosive lawsuit inside the Angelos family. 
It was Tim Prudente and Justin Fenton who contributed to this report on the Baltimore banner, which they updated throughout the night. But, you know, basically the key points from this thing is that Louis Angelos is suing his brother John and his mom Georgia. Georgia, of course, the wife of Peter Angelos, the longtime owner of the Orioles, who had a, a pretty significant health scare back in 2017. And since that happened, he basically wanted to turn over operations to his two sons and and his wife as well. And this is something that's been pretty common knowledge. But, you know, when he had that health scare, he he created a trust and made his wife Georgia, his son John, and his son Louis all as co-trustees and gave them the power to, you know, kind of run the operation of the Orioles while Peter was sick. Well, apparently, it hasn't gone as 50-50 as all sides would have liked. And so earlier this week, Lewis sued his brother and his mother, basically claiming that John Angelos, the other brother, has grabbed all the power, owning the team, making all the decisions, and is essentially lying to his family and going against his father's wishes, and the others are not very happy. Well, the big points you need to, to know from this is that, well, Georgia, Peter's wife, who has stake in the ownership as well, she wanted to sell the team. And according to this lawsuit that was, again, published and, and analyzed at the Baltimore Banner, there was a possible group that came together early in 2020, kind of before the shortened season had started, a very viable group, apparently, of potential owners who wanted to come in and buy the Orioles. Because, you know, we, we heard this back then, that there was potentially an opening for the Orioles to be sold. This was kind of a big story a couple of years ago. There was a group ready to come in and, and maybe buy the O's, a viable group. And John Angelo stepped in and just shut down the entire process. Now, obviously, this brings us to, you know, what does John Angelos want to do? Because there's always been the scare that John or whoever is going to move the Orioles to Nashville. And, and that did come up in this lawsuit and in this story. And, you know, Lewis does claim that, John may want to move the team to Nashville where, you know, he he wants to be with his wife, who is a country music singer. Obviously, where you want to be is Nashville. And that did come up as well. Now, it doesn't seem like, again, something that is going to happen. The Orioles have their lease on Camden Yards through 2023. And at any point in the next year, they can extend that lease an extra five years through 2028. There is $1.2 billion of you know, taxpayer and, and and money from Maryland that, you know, was announced earlier this year to upgrade both M&T Bank Stadium and Oriole Park and all of the Camden Yards layout and facility. And just doesn't seem like, you know, with the ballpark, with the team being here, with all that evaluation and the upgrades coming, that they, you know, would move the team to Nashville. But it doesn't mean they're not going to sell it. Now, Forbes valued the Orioles at $1.375 billion in its previous evaluation. That's a lot of money, but there seemed to be ownership groups back in 2020 who were looking to buy the O's. But in terms of this lawsuit from Lewis to John, basically the big thing is that he is suing his brother for basically coming in in what should have been a 50-50 between the two brothers and he's basically saying that John has taken over all the power, made all of his decisions, just thrown people to the side 
who were in his way and is not operating under the best wishes of their dad, Peter, who was, you know, the owner until, you know, MLB owners had to approve John as kind of taking over the Orioles in, in Peter's absence a couple of years ago. But at the end of the day, you know, this is a lot of interesting stuff. So I kind of wanted to give you the the key bullet points from this lawsuit, again, published by the Baltimore Banner and their story on Thursday night. First of all, this is, now this is all alleged by Lewis against John. This is not, you know, particularly, all this may not be exact fact, but this is what Lewis Angeles wrote about John and why he's suing him. He said John forced Mike Elias to fire Brady Anderson, first cut his pay in half and then fire him from the front office. He said John fired people he just didn't like or that didn't like him and just surrounded himself with a bunch of yes men in the front office. He said he was feeding lies to their mom, Georgia, about the team to try and you know stop her from selling to that group in 2020 and to confuse her about things with the team so he could take over more power. He basically helped the music career of Carter Faith, who you may remember played at Oriole Park at Camden Yards multiple times in 2019. Well, Carter Faith happens to be the daughter of Chris Jones, who has been the family attorney for a while. And it seemed like John was basically currying favor with the attorney to get him on his side by giving Carter Faith music gigs and John's wife as a country music singer and having his wife work with her to advance her career. That was Certainly an interesting part, especially because he's really pushed not only his wife, but Carter Faith as well onto just Orioles fans and playing at Camden Yards when it didn't really seem like their careers had taken them to that point. And obviously there's, you know, Lewis talking about John speculating he may want to move the team. But at the end of the day, a lot of juicy stuff in here. And there'll be future episodes here on this pod where we will break this down even more, get some more experts on this podcast to really break down what is in this lawsuit, what it means for the Orioles. Does this mean there's more of a possibility maybe that the O's would move to a place like Nashville? I don't think that's the case at all. I think they're staying right here in Baltimore, no matter who the ownership group is. Does this make it more likely or less likely that the Orioles are sold at any point? But I think the main takeaway from all of this and reading this article, and, and, and you know, again, great job over at the Baltimore Banner by, by Justin and Tim. The main takeaway is, we don't need the Angelos family to be owning the Orioles anymore. It is a complete mess. It's been a mess for a while. Obviously, the entire Masson situation is rolled up into this as well. That's a whole nother episode. But, I mean, what is going on here? You're just going on a power trip and firing people left and right. And clearly, they don't want to spend any money, as we've seen by the Orioles having a bottom three payroll really since 2018. So at the end of the day, this isn't doing any good for the Orioles as a franchise, having the Angelos family doing this much infighting while they're trying to own this team, and they're not putting a lot of money into it right now. And so at the end of the day, just sell the team. And obviously I want them to sell it to someone who's going to keep it in Baltimore. But I think 99% of the people who would come in to buy the Orioles are going to keep the team in Baltimore. So just sell the team. I don't know if that's going to happen. This could get really ugly really quickly, especially if this does go to trial as well. But we'll have all the updates, get some more experts on this pod to keep you updated here because this really can impact the future 
of the Orioles. But the current Orioles, well, they've got three more games coming up this weekend against the Kansas City Royals, trying to flip the script after Thursday's loss. Come back and maybe win a series, and we'll preview those final three games coming up in just a moment. But first, our next partner has a product I use literally every day. I started taking Athletic Greens and AG1 because, well, I wanted better gut health and wanted an optimized immune system. I've talked about it this week. Basically lost my voice, some sickness, some yelling at umpires at Bob Turtlesmith Stadium. But I'm mostly back, but you can still hear it. I'm not 100% back in the voice. Hopefully AG1 will help me out a little bit in that spot. But you may ask, what is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. And you ask, well, is it pricey? It only costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health. And it's lifestyle-friendly, whether you eat keto diet, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, only contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything. And it tastes good as well. So right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. Just one scoop and a cup of water every day, that's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash MLB network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash MLB network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And today's episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast it's also brought to you by betonline.net, your one-stop shop for all of your sports gambling needs. Because, listen, we're right in the middle of the MLB season, and so much sports betting you can do in Major League Baseball, but we got the NBA Finals. Of course, game four tonight, Celtics leading the Warriors two games to one. Get the lines, get the odds, get the nudes, get everything on all the NBA Finals games. And we got the NHL playoffs, Colorado Avalanche. They are into the Stanley Cup Finals. Tampa Bay Lightning took a 3-2 lead on the New York Rangers on Thursday night. We'll see which of those teams will take on the Avs, but you can get all your odds there at betonline.net as well. Also, how about UFC, MMA, boxing, all your fighting sports. Get all the odds and the lines at betonline.net. You can go on your mobile device. You can go on your desktop. It's basically a one-stop shop for all your sports gambling needs. That's betonline.net, where the game starts. So the Orioles and the Royals. Four-game series. First game didn't go the O's way. They lose 7-5 on Thursday night. But they got three more of these coming up this weekend in Kansas City. Just wanted to do a little quick preview of the final three games of this series. So obviously, game two is tonight at Kauffman Stadium, a place, as I've said before this week on the pod, still don't like watching baseball games there as I shudder thinking about 2014. But... Bruce Zimmerman will take the hill for the Orioles. The left-hander has a 4.87 ERA in 11 starts this season. And look, he's trying to turn things around. He's been pretty bad over his last few starts. Five runs on 10 hits allowed over five and two-thirds his last time out against Cleveland. Been giving up a lot of homers. We'll see if he can turn it around. Jonathan Heasley is the starter for Kansas City. 25-year-old righty will make his sixth appearance. Has a 4.62 ERA in 25 and a third innings. Solid, though, his last time out, six innings, three runs, seven hits, five Ks, and two walks against the Houston Astros. Then we move things to Saturday, 
where Tyler Wells will get the start in a 4:10 p.m. Eastern Time game. 27-year-old righty, 11 starts and a 3.78 ERA for the Orioles. You know, after those six scoreless innings against Boston, did not pitch as well against Cleveland the last time out. Two runs, two hits, two walks, and a strikeout over four innings. We'll see if he can bounce back against the Royals Saturday. Daniel Lynch will be the Kansas City starter in that one. For Lynch, a 25-year-old lefty, 10 appearances of 5.36 ERA and 48 and two-thirds innings. He's gotten hit around his last two starts, including the last one against Toronto. Six runs, six hits, four Ks, two walks in five and two-thirds. And then we take you to Sunday to finish off the series at 2.10 p.m. Eastern time start. Dean Kramer goes for the Orioles. He'll make his second start of the year for the 26-year-old righty. His first one coming off the injured list against Cleveland. Four and a third, five hits, three runs, three Ks, and a walk. He'll look to build off of that one. And for the Kansas City Royals on Sunday, they will go with a right-hander as well. The 26-year-old Brad Keller will make his 12th appearance. A 4-1-9 ERA for him in 66 and two-thirds innings. Six innings, three runs, seven hits, four Ks, and two walks against Toronto his last time out. And then I'll be back with you here on Monday recapping the final three games of the weekend. Series between the Orioles and the Royals, getting you my three big takeaways from the weekend. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.